Welcome to the Pearl of Great Price podcast. Thanks for joining us today. It's October the 6th, and on this day in Christian history, we go back to the year 1892, and we remember the death of the British Poet Laureate, Alfred Lord Tennyson, who had explored Christian faith and doubt in many of his very popular poems. He was writing at the height of the British Imperial Empire, Queen Victoria, the longest reigning British monarch after the death of her beloved Prince Albert, was undergoing prolonged and painful grief. Experiencing despair and doubt in the face of her beloved's absence, Victoria wrote that she was soothed and pleased by Tennyson's poem, In Memoriam. She later requested a meeting with Tennyson because she was so impressed by the poem. And when she met him in 1883, she told him what a comfort it had been. In Memoriam expressed the intense struggle with faith that Tennyson experiences after the death of his best friend, Arthur Hallam. Although Tennyson is submerged in deep sorrow and confronted with questions and challenges to his spiritual beliefs, a careful reading of the poem reveals that he is undergoing a spiritual transformation that deepens his belief to a deeper level of spiritual maturity and a deeper faith in a God of love who will reunite him with his departed friend. This is perhaps why Queen Victoria would keep the poem by her bedside for the rest of her life. Alfred Tennyson was born a clergyman's son, a man of deep feelings, creative and depressive, heavy drinking and heavy smoking. He had suffered a deep emotional blow when he lost Arthur Hallam. In fact, many of Hallam's friends, including the Prime Minister Gladstone, who had seemed almost in love with him at Eton, had seen him as the great hope of his generation. In a series of lyrics, written piecemeal over a number of years, Tennyson confronted not merely his personal bereavement in the loss of his friend, but a cultural collective bereavement felt by some of that generation as they said farewell to the religious certainties of the past. Many things were changing in Britain in the 19th century. Charles Lyell's work in geology was providing concrete evidence that the planet was of greater antiquity than a naive and literal interpretation of the Bible would suggest. Protestants who had relied on the sole authority of scripture had developed sophisticated and mathematical ways of aging the planet, whilst relying on what they wanted to preserve as the literal truth of Genesis. However, this was now proven to be futile and erroneous. Also, what geologists were revealing dealt a deeper existential challenge to the human species when many obsolete animal forms were revealed in fossils. Challenging belief in a loving providence. The discovery of fossils that had gone extinct revealed that far from nature being created whole and finished, as in Milton's evocation in The Paradise Lost, see the pod of April the 27th, actually species came and went. 
this was unsettling. And this popularised version of Lyell's discoveries published in Robert Chambers's Vestiges of the Natural History of Creation shook evangelical Christianity in particular. The evangelicals were unaware that in European academic circles, the father of geology was actually seen as being a Danish Catholic bishop, Neil Steno, who had worked 200 years before Lyle. See the podcast of January 11th. However, on the back of Lyle's work, Charles Darwin and the theory of natural selection continued that shaking of certainties. And it began a process of unbelief first among 19th century intellectuals and later spreading around the world at large. By the end of the century in Britain, as G.K. Chesterton observed, atheism was the religion of the suburbs. Tennyson was crafting his poems amid this turmoil and was alive to the imaginative implications of the revolution in the study of geography at the beginning of the 19th century. He was moving away from the evangelical certainties of his youth and he revealed that his religious beliefs almost defy convention. I'm leaning towards agnosticism and pandeism. In a characteristically Victorian manner, Tennyson combined a deep interest in contemporary science with an unorthodox Christian belief and he wrote in In Memoriam, there lives more faith in honest doubt, believe me, than in half the creeds. He was also amazed, on the other hand, at the overreaction to these new scientific facts, that somehow they would dispose of the ancient truths and cultures which have been part of all civilizations. And this tension is at the centre of it in memoriam. On the one hand, he confronts the raw pain of losing the false certitudes that are still peddled today by evangelical creationists. And his creative processes leaves us an interesting record of delicacy and intelligence as he seems to listen to his intuition and what we might now think of as the right hemisphere of the brain and its way of processing information and experience. A popular theory in neuroscience at the moment is that people are either left-brained or right-brained, meaning that one side of their brain is dominant. If you're mostly analytical and methodical in your thinking, you're said to be left-brained. And if you tend to be more creative and artistic, you're thought to be right-brained. It is clear that the two hemispheres function differently, thanks to the research of psychobiologist and Nobel Prize winner Roger W. Sperry in the 1960s. The left brain is more verbal, analytical and orderly than the right brain. It's sometimes called a digital brain. It's better at things like reading, writing and computations and prioritises logic, sequencing, linear thinking, mathematics, facts and thinking in words. Sperry found that the right brain is more visual and intuitive. That's sometimes referred to as the analogue brain. It seems that the right hemisphere has a more creative and less organised way of thinking. Prioritising imagination, holistic thinking, intuition, the arts, rhythm, non-verbal cues and daydreaming. However, since Sperry's discoveries, magnetic resonance imaging, which maps the brain, 
has revealed that the human brain doesn't actually favour one side over the other. The networks on one side aren't generally stronger than the networks on the other side. And the two hemispheres are tied together by bundles of nerve fibres and complement each other. For example, the left brain is credited with language, but the right brain helps you to understand context and tone. The left brain handles mathematical equations, but the right brain helps out with comparisons and rough estimates. The two sides of your brain are different, and certain areas of your brain do have specialities, and they vary a bit from person to person. In the Victorian age, as Tennyson was processing grief and change, some would have talked about the female part of his imagination. He recounts dreams, idle thoughts on his walks, glimpses of nature, as well as the common experiences of bereavement, that sudden, awful remembrance that the beloved is no longer there. In Memoriam became, in effect, a good type of self-help book in bereavement especially for a soul contemplating an apparently pitiless universe and the raw pain of bereavement, but also acknowledging the reality of religious experience. The intuitive sense that there is something behind the veil, behind the veil, is honestly confronted in the poem. And although this post-enlightenment shift was not restricted to British evangelical circles, Tennyson's explorations can be read alongside other classic 19th century literature about faith and the loss of faith. John Henry Newman's Grammar of Ascent, for example, or Leo Tolstoy's Confession and the Gospel in Brief. That's all from the Pearl of Great Price today. Thanks for listening. Join us tomorrow if you can as we look at how Mother Teresa established the Missionaries of Charity. Great news this month is that we've surpassed 10,000 downloads, so thank you to all listeners from all over the world for your interest. Today, a special thank you to our listeners in Gunzenhausen in Bavaria and Darlington in England. And our archives can be found at www.pogp.net. If you have time, please subscribe and share the podcast with friends. Thank you to Kevin McLeod for today's music and have a lovely day wherever you are. Thanks for listening.